I'm so thankful that he is my God this morning. Doesn't matter what we're going through in life today, we can stand with confidence and know this, that we are not alone this morning. Aren't you thankful for that today? What a joy it is to be with you this morning, and we're going to just prepare to hear what God has for us in just a moment. But this morning, I believe that it is important for us as men and women of faith to understand that God is always required of his people to be men and women that walk in obedience to the word of the Lord. And today, we are instructed throughout Scripture to bless Israel. We are instructed throughout Scripture to have an awareness and understanding that God has chosen a people, and we know that we as Gentiles have been grafted in through and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We understand that. But today, allow me to say to you that the children of Israel, the Jewish people, are still the apple of God's eye this morning. I know there's a lot of things that have been taught over the years, uh, replacement theology and all of these things, saying the church has replaced Israel. Uh, you can take all of that stuff and throw it in the trash because it does not line up biblically. We know this, that Israel is the epicenter of the world in the eyes of the Lord. And if we're going to know what is coming, if we're going to know what has been or what will be or what presently is taking place, we must look to Israel. And that's why this morning, in the midst of great conflict for them, uh, we stand in solidarity with them this morning, along with many men and women of faith across the globe. Uh, as you came in this morning, I, 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 there's a basket of pins they was giving. It is the American flag and, uh, and the Israeli flag. If you did not get one of those, please pick one of those up. Those are for you to have, and I would encourage you to, to wear that today as, and in the days ahead. Uh, also, I would... Uh, there is a pamphlet that was giving out. This is put together by Christians United for Israel. Some of you may be aware of it, uh, but it is a ministry that was founded and started by Pastor John Haggy in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, they do a meeting every year in Washington, D.C., uh, myself and Debbie, as long as Mark and Marcella, just uh, some years ago, we was there at one of those meetings, and we was able to uh, go and represent at the Capitol building and was able to speak to our representatives concerning Israel. Uh, it was very, uh, very interesting time, and they are doing some marvelous work bringing awareness. Uh, Christians United for Israel, or you could also refer to it as CUFI, that's uh, the abbreviations of it. Uh, but Kufi is uh, making an awareness across this globe uh, in churches as well as on the universities. There is a group of young people. You will not hear this on social media. You will not hear this on national news. Uh, but there is an undercurrent. There's a movement of young men and women across this nation on secular campuses that is standing up and been a voice for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. So this will tell you more about it. I encourage you to take one of those, read through that, and uh, I will tell you this, I have been involved with these folks for many years. Uh, they will not bombard you with a bunch of garbage, uh, but if you give them uh, your email address and those types of things or your address, uh, all you're going to get from them is you'll get a mailing from time to time. You'll get emails from them giving you daily briefings and things if you ask for it. Uh, but it will make you aware of what's going on in Israel and what you need to be praying for. 
but this morning, also on the table in the lobby, you will find that there is some of these. This is a pledge form. Uh, and uh, basically, you can do this online uh, by simply going to their website, or you can do this on your way out today. Just a name, address, uh, and whatever you want to put on there. And I'm, I will mail these back in after you fill it out. Just lay it on the table. But this is just simply saying today as individuals and as a body uh, that we believe that Israel is God's chosen nation and it is my God-given duty and responsibility uh, to bless Israel and the Jewish people. But also it is this, it is saying that I maintain that terrorism is inexcusable and like every nation, Israel has the right to defend her citizens from those types of attacks. So therefore, today, as we get ready to pray in just a moment, our pledge today, our solitary pledge today is simply this, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and to stand with her and with the Jewish people as Israel responds to the violent attacks in defense of her people. I uphold that the loss of any life is tragic, and I pledge to pray not just for the safety of, of the Jewish people, uh, but also for the Palestinian people. And uh, that's basically what we're standing and doing today. I can tell you today, a lot of people get a lot of misinformation about Israel. But let me just give you just a couple of things very quickly, okay? Israel is this. It is a territory of just a little over 8,000 square miles. It is smaller than New Jersey. It's smaller than El Salvador. It is smaller than Taiwan. You and I could go back through the Bible, we could talk about, and actually Pastor Todd mentioned a little bit about Israel at the beginning of his message last evening and was talking about some of the things of how the enemies always tried to destroy it. But we know this, in 1917, uh, that the Balfour Declaration encouraged the Jews to return to reestablish uh, their homeland. And we know that from 1917 all the way through May 14th, 1948, which was 73 years ago this week, this past week, is that there was great opposition uh, between 1917 and 1948. But on May 14th, 1948, the British mandate ended and the state of Israel was established 73 years ago. But within 24 hours of its conception... It was attacked by five Arab nations. I'll give you those five nations. Egypt, Syria, Transjordan, Lebanon, and Iraq. All five of them came, and they attacked Israel within 24 hours of their conception. For the next 15 months, the Israeli Defense Army began to fight. It is just newly, it was in its infancy, uh, but it began to fight, and for 15 months it fought. It lost 6,000 individuals. Uh, at that time, it was 1% of the population of Israel, but it defeated the invasion. Now, we could, since that time, there has been multiple conflicts. I could stand here and talk to you about the Sinai War of 1956. I could talk to you about the Six-Day War of 1967. I could talk to you about the Lebanon War between 1982 and through 1985. I could talk to you today about the Persian Gulf conflict. And I could talk to you about the first suicide bomb that went off in the central Israel and eight people lost their life in 1994. It has been chaos, and that's just to name a few. It's been chaos continually, continually. And there is many reasons people will say for these conflicts, but I will tell you the nuts and the bolts of it is this. It comes down to the fact it is the only place of ground that God ever deeded to anybody. And it is also the only people that God simply said, they are mine. Okay? And the enemy... The demonic adversary knows this. If I can destroy Israel, if I can destroy her people, then I can destroy the God of the Old Testament. And therefore, then I dishonor and I destroy the God of the New Testament. And therefore, you have no faith. Therefore, you and I today need to understand it is important that we stand with Israel. Isaiah 62 verse 1 said, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteous thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. 
goes on to say, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Here's what I want to say to you. In the midst of all of this conflict that we see going on right now, it is not over for Israel. But God is going to protect her. God is going to keep her. And she is going to shine like the brightness of a brand new day. But there is evil that is getting ready to be driven back. Now, we do not celebrate the loss of life. Please hear me. The enemy is not the Palestinian people. The enemy today is those that have given themselves to radical Islamic thinking. It is Hamas. It is Hezbollah. They are radicals. They are men and women that have been taught and indoctrinated by the demonic powers of hell, and they have an agenda. They have already sold their soul to the devil, and they have already been given over to a reprobate mind, many of them, and therefore they are on a mission for the kingdom of darkness. But I'm going to serve notice on them today. They will not win. But we, the people of God, will walk in victory and we will walk in triumph. And this, uh, the people of God, Israel will shine. Yes, there's some things that's going to happen in that part of the land. Oftentimes, people talk about the, Ar the battle of Armageddon. But we must never forget, before you ever get to the battle of the Armageddon that was even mentioned last evening, you will find that there's a war, Ezekiel chapter 38, you can read about. You will find that we are leading up to that time frame. The, the previous administration, what they was doing, God was orchestrated and moving through them. This is not politics this morning, but please hear me. The Abraham Accord and all of the nations that began to sign on to that, that began to create the buffer zone that is going to create and stand for the sake of Israel. They're going to stand against some of the major superpowers of the world because of commerce, because of trade. And the enemy knows this. That's why you're seeing an uprising uh, because of a lack of uh, strength. In this nation and other places, they think they have a window of opportunity. But what they're not counting on right now is the church awakening and arising and becoming the church that God's called them to be. And what we're getting ready to do as we stand across this building and pray together for the nation of Israel. We're not picking a people. We're praying according to the word of the Lord. Listen, I want the Palestinian people to be saved, delivered, and set free. Listen, we are in a place right now. I have walked in the place where the underground church is. I, I have a heart for those individuals. Uh, we have put ourselves in alignment with many people in that part of the region of the world. So I'm not attacking them, but I will tell you this. When I was in Turkey just a little over a year and a half ago, and I began to speak to those that have been indoctrinated with the garbage, uh, they simply stand there with no hope, no peace, and they say there's no God that can help us. Uh, but can I tell you, the part of the world is getting ready to see the hand of God move uh, supernaturally uh, that is going to begin. That which the enemy meant for evil uh, is about to give way, uh, and God's going to turn it around uh, and there's about to be a harvest of souls in the Middle East, uh, and you and I uh, can be part of what God's about to do in that part of the world if uh, we'll stand and pray and believe and trust uh, that God is who he says he is. Amen? So I, I could stand here and talk to you about Israel all day. I'm not going to do that, but I am going to ask you to stand with me one more time this morning. And uh, as you're standing, we're getting ready to pray but let me, uh, let me say this morning, as we're standing with Israel, many people across this nation are doing the same thing that we're doing this morning. The first thing that I'm going to say in this, part, in this area, in this time, that we find ourselves in, please continue to pray for the peace and the safety of Israel. Also today, I would encourage you on your way out to sign that pledge form so we can send that back in so this begins to get traction on the world stage that there no really this is that many individuals standing. There's millions of us standing across the, the land today. Also, wear your pen proudly today. And also, for the first time, I'm going to really encourage you uh, technology, all right? This morning, I, with your significant other or a group of people before you leave today, I'm going to encourage you to take a selfie. If you don't know what a selfie is, the older generation, just talk to these young people, all right? They'll help you out. Uh, but as you take a selfie with your little unity pin there, with the, I'm going to ask you to hashtag. If you don't know what a hashtag is, see the young people. They'll tell you that too. 
uh, and just do a hashtag on all your social media platforms, hashtag Kufi Solidary Sunday, all right? So, uh, and, and that's going to be seen all across. It's all going to come into one place. Uh, it, it, we're going to flood the internet today uh, across this nation, and we're going to let our officials know. We're going to let those in other parts of the world know that uh, we, the church, are standing with the nation of Israel, all right? If you don't have a smartphone and you don't know what a hashtag is, just take a picture with a young person and they'll do the rest, all right? So, uh, but right now, I want you uh, to just join me in prayer. And not only are we praying for Israel, but we're praying for the innocent life of the Palestinian people, okay? We're not against the Palestinian people, but we are against the radical Islamic Jihadists that is simply lodging rockets into God's land today. And we do not stand and remain silent, but we lift our voice today. Will you join with me today as we pray for Israel? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we stand in agreement and we lift our voices today. Lord, praying for the land. Lord, that belongs to you. Lord, we know this earth belongs to you. But, Father, today we're praying specifically for that little stretch of land that you gave uh, to the Jewish people. And, Father, for years we've watched it uh, try to be stolen and stripped away. But, Father, today we know this, uh, that there is a hand of protection around her today. And, Father, we come in agreement with your will and your purpose and your plan Lord, and today we drive back darkness uh, and we decree and declare that Israel will shine brightly. And Father, today we pray for the safety of her. We pray for the safety of innocent life. Uh, Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that the conflict there that is meant to bring a disruption, uh, Lord, would cease, uh, but that you would receive glory and honor. And Father, today... You know exactly what needs to be taking place uh, in that area at this very moment. Uh, but, Father, today uh, we're asking that your will would be done. Uh, and ta today, Father, we're believing and trusting as we stand together as individuals in a corporate body of people. Uh, we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what you've told us to do. And, Father, we do that today in faith, uh, believing that peace is coming. Uh, Lord, we know that one day we will put our feet down there uh, as we arrive with you. But until then today, Lord, uh, I pray uh, that there would be a reviving, uh, there would be an awakening uh, to the things of God. Uh, and, Lord, we speak to the demonic strongholds over that region, uh, and we command them to be broken. Uh, and we speak life and liberty and freedom to come uh, to those people today uh, in Jesus name we pray and the church says amen. amen and amen God bless you this morning you may be seated those of you going to class feel free to do so at this time thank you for indulging me just for a few moments as we stand with Israel today those of you in the sanctuary this morning I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis this morning, chapter number 37, Genesis 37 this morning. I am going to do my best to share with you. God has birthed in my spirit for today. Please pray for me. I don't have my comfort blankets up here this morning. It's just me and the Lord, all right? Holy Spirit, come and come quickly is what I say. Because this is all I got, all right? But uh, I believe God wants to speak to us this morning. All I had time to do was go to craft class this morning. I got that too. All right. So let's just get ready. Anybody ready for the word this morning? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Is that all right? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Father, today I stand completely dependent upon you. Father, I ask that over the next few moments, 
Lord, that you'd anoint this vessel to speak that which you've birthed in my spirit in the wee hours of this morning. And Father, today, I pray that our ears would hear, our hearts would receive, that we would embrace that which you're speaking to us today. Lord, I believe you're speaking specifically to us this morning. And those that are joining by a way of live stream, Father, I don't know what their situations are today. But Lord, we're about to enter in to a new realm and a new season. We know this. We are entering in. And Lord, today, I thank you for what's about to take place in the lives of these men and women. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to give you a familiar story this morning. Genesis chapter number 37. We're going to read through this together. We know that Jacob is dwelling in the land where his fathers was a stranger in the land of Canaan is where he's dwelling. We know that Jacob is the son of Isaac and Isaac is the son of Abraham. So we know that at this time that Jacob has a son. He has many sons, but he has a son by the name of Joseph, and he is 17 years old. He's just a teenage boy. And we know that Jacob, his name is conniver, deceiver. After he had an encounter with the Lord, and after he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and all of those things transpired, that Jacob experienced a name change and the Lord began to call him Israel. Okay? Now, when we get to verse number 3 of chapter number 7, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph. That's Jacob. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Let me pause there for a moment. Not necessarily just talking about because he had him when he was older, but he was talking about this. He's telling him, saying this, that Joseph was a child at 17 years old. He was a child of great wisdom. He had wisdom beyond his years, okay? So when you see where he's talking about old age, he's simply saying, he's the son of my old age. He's a son of wisdom. He's a son that's that, that has put great potential. And we saw, when Israel saw Joseph, he saw hope. He saw a dream. He saw a future deliverer of the land of Israel. And he knew there was something special about him. It wasn't that he didn't love his other children, so don't read into that. But what he was saying is there's something unique and special about this 17-year-old boy, and he is a boy of wisdom beyond his years. And as he goes on, it says that he made him a coat of many colors. The purpose of this coat was simply this. It was something that was often done in, in that culture, but it was usually given to the eldest son. It was given to the one that would receive the birthright. And therefore, it was an acknowledgement saying that you're going to receive everything that belongs to me. You're going to carry this thing on. You're going to be the priest or the high priest of the family. It should have went to Reuben, his older brother. But because of the wisdom and because of the mandate upon Joseph's life at that time. And we find when you read throughout the story that it shows us that he did fulfill that and it was rightly so that he should receive that coat of many colors. So therefore we find it says, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And then it says, and Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Verse number 13. But after he had shared the dream, they did not understand the dream. But then Israel said to Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren. So we know that Joseph, obeying his father, he goes to where his brethren is. He's searching for them. He finds a man in the field. As he's wandering, looking for his brother, he gives him direction. And then we come to verse number 18. And it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, 
they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, the dreamer comes. But then in verse number 23, it says, And when it come to pass that when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Now then they began to have conversation. What are we going to do with him? Let's kill him. Let's slay him. But Reuben begins to speak and says, no, let's don't do it. Just throw him in the pit, but don't, don't take his life. But then they began to see on the horizon, they began to see some merchant men coming. They said, well, can't we just sell him? And then they said, well, come to a consensus. We'll just sell him into slavery. All right, so now we come to verse number 31. And it says, and they took Joseph's coat after they had sold him into slavery. And they killed a kid of the goats and they dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothing and put sackcloth upon his lawns and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now, for a few moments this morning, I want to look at this story. I want to talk to you today on letting go of the lie. Letting go of the lie. I was going to preach this morning and share with you, talking about the need for a personal reformation. I had it all put together. It was altogether lovely. I promise it was. I'd worked on it, labored on it. But then as I laid down on my bed early this morning, the Lord said, you need to tell somebody they need to let go of the lie of the enemy. This morning, please stay with me for a few moments. In this story that I've given you today, we find that Jacob, or Israel, he is living life. He is raising his family. He is doing that which is in his realm of responsibilities to do. He is concerned about his other sons, and therefore he sends Joseph. And he says, go check on their well-being. And as they began to see him approaching, all of a moment, anger, hatred, bitterness, jealousy, all of these things begins to boil over and arise to the surface. And they say, let's grab him. Let's put him in a pit. Let's make it look like that. And some was even okay with killing him and slaughtering him. But after the events that we read today, we find that they take their son, their brother, and they put him into the hands of strangers. And they send him off bound in fetters and chains as a slave. And therefore, we find that then they said, now what do we do? And they take his garment, the, the garment that was represented of the birthright of their father's house, and they took it and they said, let's come up with a plan or a plot to make daddy think that something astronomical and devastating happened to his beloved boy, Joseph. And therefore, we find that they take a kid goat and they kill it and they take this beautiful garment, this coat of many colors that had been put together by Israel and they dipped it in the blood and they said maybe this is sufficient and they go back with their deceit and their lies and they bring it to their father and they say this we we found this while we was out in the field and we don't know but it kind of looks like Joseph's coat but we don't really know do do you know if this is his coat and all of a sudden in the midst of 
all of this activity, we find that Israel or Jacob, whatever you want to refer him as at this moment, uh, he looks up on this garment and immediately he knows because his hands has touched it. He has put it together. He has weaved it together. He has created it. He is the one that placed it upon the shoulders of his beloved son. And he's the one that had sent him to check on the others, the guilt and all the stuff that was going on in his moment of, in that moment of time uh, had to be overwhelming to him. But notice in that moment when it's presented to him, uh, the enemy places a thought in his mind. And he says, Yes, this is his, and there's blood all over it. Uh, surely an evil beast uh, has destroyed my boy. Uh, and we find uh, that he began to weep and mourn uh, for many days, uh, and he could not be comforted uh, because a lie uh, had penetrated his mind uh, and got into his heart uh, and touched him in such a manner uh, that he could not even function as the man uh, that he was created to be. Uh, so we find now a coat of many colors uh, that had simply been uh, a representation of the birthright. Uh, and notice when you begin to look at it, uh, they brought to him something uh, that was covered in blood. Uh, and he said, surely uh, this is it. Uh, so he's holding a mangled garment. Uh, and this mangled garment that he had weaved together that's stained with blood uh, is what he's holding on to saying uh, my boy is dead uh, and he did not realize uh, that he was holding on uh, to a lie uh, can I tell you today there is men and women uh, that are walking around uh, holding on uh, to a lie uh, the enemy came along and simply said this uh, your children ain't never gonna get saved they're never gonna get delivered uh, your marriage is never gonna to last. Uh, you will never have joy. Uh, you'll never get that peace back. Uh, your finances is always going to be in shambles. Uh, the list just goes on and on. Uh, you made too many mistakes. You started and stopped too many times. Uh, you'll never have a ministry. Uh, you'll never walk in a manner uh, where you can experience your dreams uh, come to fruition. Uh, listen, I could talk to you about many things this morning. Uh, some of you uh, are holding on to the lie. You're business uh, will never flourish. Uh, if it was going to work, uh, it would have already happened. Uh, so you're walking around holding on to this stuff. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, we find uh, that it began to consume his life. Uh, he's walking around, no joy, no peace. Uh, he says, I'm just going to mourn till I take my last breath. Uh, and then maybe someday I'll find some peace uh, and some rest. Uh, but what he did not realize uh, was that his boy was alive and God was orchestrating and moving. But you find that from Genesis 37 till you get to Genesis 45, there is a span of 22 years. And we find for 22 years, Israel is holding on to a lie. He's simply saying it's never gonna be. I just don't know how. I just don't know what happened. Oh, if only I hadn't sent him out there. If only only I'd done this, uh, or if only I'd done that, uh, but we find this, what he did not know uh, is while he was thinking it was all over, uh, there was a boy uh, that was in slavery uh, that God began to put his hand on uh, and began to bless uh, everywhere he went. Uh, we find that he was taken in and he was bought. Uh, you know the story, but let me just run through some of it very quickly. Uh, we find that this young boy by the name of Joseph, uh, he ended up in Potiphar's house uh, and we know this uh, he was favored uh, everything he did uh, turned to gold so to speak uh, the man Potiphar uh, he said man uh, God is with him uh, and I'm just going to let him have control of everything uh, it looks like uh, everything's going well uh, but then we find the enemy comes uh, and brings through Potiphar's wife and says uh, come lie with me uh, he says I can't do that 
that. Uh, my masters gave me everything here uh, except for you. Uh, I'm not going to defile myself. Uh, I'm not going to go against that. Uh, but she pressed him, pursued him every day. Uh, and we find that when she was in the house uh, alone with him, uh, she grabbed his garment. Uh, and he said, I'm not staying attached to that. And he ran and he left his garment. Uh, and we find he ends up in jail. Uh, and we find that at the age of 28 years old, uh, there's a baker and a butler uh, that comes in. Uh, he's in prison. Uh, the baker and the butler, uh, they have lost uh, favor with the king. Uh, they have a dream. Uh, he begins to interpret their dream. Uh, he says this, uh, one of you going to live, uh, one of you going to die in three days. Uh, and we find that his interpretation was correct. Uh, and he simply says this to the butler, uh, remember me when you get back into the presence of the king. Uh, and he simply forgot about him. Uh, but a couple other years go by. Uh, and then we find that the Pharaoh has a dream. Uh, and then he says, there's a young boy uh, in the prison. Uh, he told me I was going to be restored. The butler did. Uh, and he said, maybe he can just help you out as well. Uh, so then we find, uh, and, I, and I'm hurrying this morning, uh, we find that they go and they bring him in and he hears the dream that the Pharaoh has. Uh, he says, the Lord will give me interpretation. Uh, he said, there are going to be seven years of plenty. Uh, there are going to be seven years of famine. Uh, he simply says this, uh, God gives him favor, uh, gives him authority. Uh, we find at the age of 30, uh, we find that Joseph is second in command in all of Egypt. We find as he's sitting there, all of a sudden, uh, seven years of plenty come. He's 37 years old. Uh, famine begins to come on the land. Two years into the famine, he's age 39, uh, he finds that Israel hears or Jacob hears uh, that there's grain in Egypt. Uh, he tells his sons, I want you to get some uh, livestock. I want you to go down. Uh, Going to give you some money. Uh, we want you to go down to Egypt, uh, buy some stuff for us uh, because we can't stay where we're at right now uh, because if we do, we're just going to die. Uh, we got to get something uh, because there's nothing moving, nothing growing, nothing developing. Uh, and they go down. They did not realize uh, they're getting ready to walk walk before their brother. Uh, he doesn't look like he looked when he was 17. Uh, he's arrayed in different garments. Uh, he's sitting in a place of authority. Uh, he disguises himself. Uh, but as he does that, uh, he sees his brothers that betrayed him, uh, that sold him into slavery. Uh, he then sits there. Uh, he begins to have conversation with them. Uh, you know the story. Uh, he sends them away. Uh, he says, one of you have to stay here, but bring your brother Benjamin. Uh, Bring your younger brother so I know that you're really telling me the truth. Uh, and we find that then he says, how is it with your father? Uh, I'm fast forwarding very quickly because I got to get somewhere this morning. Uh, we find that then uh, we get to the place uh, where all of this transpires. Uh, then he reveals himself to his brethren in, in Genesis 45. Uh, and he tells them, I am your brother. Uh, and they don't know what's going on. They're all confused. Uh, but all of a sudden it begins to be noise. Uh, that Joseph uh, is still alive. Uh, and we find that as God uh, begins to orchestrate and move still, uh, Israel is holding uh, on to a lie. For 22 years, uh, he's still mourning. Uh, he's still weeping. Uh, he's still saying, oh, everything is lost. My hope is lost. My joy is lost. Uh, but what he does not know in the land of Egypt, uh, God is preparing a Goshen. Uh, and in this place of Goshen, uh, notice uh, the children are there. Uh, they're reunited with their brother. Uh, but then the king or the Pharaoh other, uh, he hears what's taking place. Joseph's brothers are in the house uh, and he simply says this to him in chapter number 45. Uh, he says, now I command you, uh, when you begin to read through this, I want you to take uh, in verse number, let me get my eyes on, uh, in verse number 19, uh, he says, now thou art commanded uh, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives uh, and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff uh, for the good of the land of Egypt is yours. Uh, and the children of Israel did so uh, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh. Uh, and he gave them provision for the way uh, to all of them he gave each man uh, changes of raiment uh, but to Benjamin he gave three 
300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Uh, and to his father he sent after this manner, uh, 10 asses laden with good things of Egypt, uh, 10 she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. Uh, so he sent his brethren away and they departed and they said unto them, uh, see that you fall not out of by the way. Meaning this, don't lack, uh, don't, don't mess around, just get there and get back. Uh, and we find, and he told him saying, uh, and when they got out of Egypt uh, and they come into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father, notice this, uh, and they told him saying, Joseph is yet alive uh, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt uh, and Jacob's heart fainted uh, for he believed them not. Uh, and they told him all the words of Joseph uh, which he had said unto them uh, and when he saw the wagons uh, which Joseph had sent to carry him, uh, the spirit of Jacob their father revived uh, and Israel said uh, it is enough. Uh, Joseph, my son, is yet alive. Uh, I will go and see him uh, before I die. Uh, now, several years ago, I preached a message on the arrival or the unloading of the wagons. Uh, I'm not going to re-preach that this morning, uh, but what I want you to hear this morning is this. Uh, the plot of the enemy uh, has brought deception uh, to the people of God. Uh, for years, we've held on to the lies uh, instead of embracing the promises. Uh, but God has went before for us uh, and provision has been made uh, and in this season uh, the king uh, is releasing the wagons uh, I want to tell somebody this morning uh, that we are on the be we are on the beginning uh, on the verge uh, of the arrival uh, of the king's provision uh, attached to it uh, is the message uh, that your Joseph uh, is still alive uh, notice with me uh, the birthright uh, has not been destroyed uh, but that which you thought you never could be uh, is about to come into existence. Uh, hear me this morning. Uh, the enemy would tell you uh, this is all there is. Uh, it's all over. Uh, you're never going to make it. Uh, but I want to tell somebody in the midst of your darkness, uh, in the midst of your despair, uh, in the midst of your disappointment, uh, I'm here to tell you that the church of Jesus Christ uh, is about to awaken uh, and walk in power uh, and authority. Uh, Notice with me, uh, God is about to get glory and honor. Uh, I heard the Lord say in the wee hours of this morning, uh, he said on the horizon, uh, there is the moving and the approaching of my wagons. Uh, my church is going to see me high and lifted up. Uh, I began to think about this story uh, and God began to gravitate in my spirit, made me gravitate to it. Uh, and in the wee hours of the morning, I began to see an old man uh, and I began to see this old man uh, that was broken. Uh, he was dis disappointed. Uh, he was holding an old uh, bloody garment. Uh, but then he looked up and he began to hear something. Uh, he began to hear Joseph is yet alive. Uh, Joseph is yet alive. But his spirit was fainted. I saw this man and I see him in my spirit now. He's just sitting there in a weak and stricken state. But all of a sudden, he said, we're going to validate what we're saying. Do you see these things, daddy? These are not just any chariots. These are not just any wagons. But these are the king's wagons. These are the king's horses. This is royalty coming. Notice on those asses out there, they're not empty, uh, but that's bags of meal. Uh, that's all kinds of provision. Uh, and all of a sudden it says when he saw the wagons, uh, he said, it is enough. Uh, Joseph is yet alive. Uh, can I tell you this morning? Uh, I got to tell you, uh, God is about to bring signs and wonders back to the church in America. There is a latter rain that's about to fall. Uh, there is a Holy Ghost outpouring disruption that's coming. Uh, a generation uh, is about to experience uh, an anointing uh, where there are going to be giant slayers. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, miracles are on the horizon. Uh, restoration is present. Uh, healing is present. Uh, there is a divine reversal uh, in this moment. Uh, but somebody's got to let go of the lie uh, and begin to trust in Jesus this morning. Somebody, oh, this has become your comfort. 
I can't do anything, but it's about my yesterdays. It's about everything that it used to be. But listen, uh, this guy uh, is still alive. Uh, The enemy said God can't do what needs to be done. Uh, He's dead. Uh, But can I tell you, uh, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for you and I. You gotta choose to let the lie go this morning. What are you going to hold on to today? For 22 years, this is all he had. When not that many miles away, his boy was been moved and orchestrated by the Holy Spirit of God. But it's over, preacher. It's over, preacher. Can I tell you? Enemy says this. Oh, it's all broken and disgusted. Listen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added to you. Finances. Listen. Let that lie go. You're blessed. You're highly favored. You can break the curse of generational poverty when you follow after God. Don't settle for the lie of the enemy that says it's got to be this way because that's how it was with mommy and daddy. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. When somebody will follow after God, you can break the curse of poverty. My father is 94 years old. He'll be 95 in September. But you know what? My father was born in a time where we didn't, when you wake up in the winter, Guess what? There was snow on your blankets. You looked through the floor, there was chickens and pigs running underneath the house. Uh, He was dirt poor, but he served God. He worked hard. And listen, I never had dogs or or cats or pigs or chickens running under my house. Uh, I never had snow on my blankets when I woke up. Why? It's because I am a product of the blessing and the favor of God. Don't you tell me uh, you have to stay where you are. It's a lie of the enemy. You can walk blessed this morning. That was free. Joy. You never have joy. That bad decision or that that deal or this deal or whatever. Listen, joy's dead. No. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. When you serve the Lord, yes, you will become a peculiar people when you sell out. And you know why you're peculiar? It's because people can't figure out why you have so much joy even through difficult times. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Brother John, when I know that he's with me, how can I be sad? How can I be troubled? Listen, somebody's got to throw that away and say, you know what? I'm going to keep my joy. I'm not letting the enemy take my joy because uh, in his presence, there is what? Uh, Fullness of what? Fullness of joy. Uh, Listen, uh, the enemy wants you to think you can't have it, uh, but I come to tell you this morning, it's yours. Uh, There are those today, uh, listen, the enemy says the ministry's over. You you got too much stuff. Uh, You you did this. If you would have accepted God when you was 15, yeah, you could have really done something, but now you waited and you did this and you did that. Listen, uh, I come to tell you ministry's not dead, uh, but ministry is awakening uh, in this house uh, and in houses all across this land. And there is some prodigal sons uh, that has had some things instilled in them when they was babies. uh, And it's about to be resurrected. uh, And I prophetically say today uh, that ministry is about to live. Uh, So get rid of the lie uh, and say, devil, I'm going to walk in that ministry. Uh, I'm not going to hold on to it any longer. Uh, Listen, uh, you say, well, I don't know. My life's a mess right now, pastor. Listen, uh, I don't have much hope. Uh, Can I tell you? you uh, there is hope in Jesus. Uh, He is my hope. Uh, In 1 Peter we read, he says we have a lively hope uh, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, If the Lord is here, uh, that means you have hope right here. Uh, The enemy says it's dead. No, it's not. Uh, I have hope uh, that gets me uh, to a place uh, where I know that anything is possible with him. I'm not going to hold on to it any longer. 
Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. I told you I could go along with a half a page of notes. Children. Oh, it looks like it's over. Looks like it's over. No, it's not over. Don't you believe the lie of the enemy that they're dead? That they're, they're, they're messed up too much. They're not, going, they're not going to do it. I don't care what the preacher says. They're not going to make it. Uh, no, listen. Don't you believe? Don't you give place to that? There's life and death in the power of tongue. Right now, they might be hangover. They might have a needle in their arm right now. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. God says, says they're a heritage. And he says, speak life over them. Don't speak death over them. Listen. Your children, don't you hang on to that lie. But you say, I command that to be broken off of my children. And you begin to go ahead and give God praise like they're already been to the altar. Listen, we're in a place right now where we got to wage war like we never have. And I'm going to tell you something. we got to begin to speak some things. I'm not in the name it and claim it, but I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to speak in faith, when you begin to pray in faith, it begins to develop. And right now, some of you are troubled uh, because the lie of the enemy that keeps coming to your mind telling you it's never going to happen. But listen to this preacher this morning. There's some men and women getting ready to be delivered and set free. Alcohol, drugs is getting ready to lose its hold uh, because the power of the Holy Ghost is getting ready to come back to the sanctuary in America and it's getting ready to come back to the home of the man of God and the woman of God uh, and your children uh, are about to be delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. Get rid of the lie. Are you going to let go of it this morning? Is the ultimate question. Are you going to let go of it this morning? Right now, there's a great strategic attack. Please hear me. There's a great strategic attack against marriage across this nation right now. I hear it. I dealt with it all. I deal with it all the time. People, hear me. It's not dead. It's not over unless you quit. Marriage can be a beautiful thing, a rewarding thing, ordained by God. But hear me today. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. It doesn't have to be over. What does have to happen is he has to become the center of that marriage. I know you wouldn't shout on that one. Please hear me. You can hang on to the lie if you want, or you can throw the lie away and you can begin to watch God bring restoration and you can walk in unity and harmony like you've never known. And you can begin to experience the love of God on a level that you've never known and you can experience increase on so many levels. So let go of the lie of the enemy. Business today. I'm running out of things here, and I'm going to close. Business and dreams right now. God is getting ready in this season to abundantly bless men and women of the faith that is willing to use their businesses for his glory. I believe this wholeheartedly. There is kings and priests. I'm going to tell you this this morning. A priest cannot do what he needs to do if there's not a king that's helping finance it. God is going to bless your business. You may see a downturn. You may This pandemic may have hurt you. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I want you to look on the horizon in the spiritual realm. And I'm going to tell you, prepare yourself. And God would say to get those of you in this room that are business owners, you hear me. God would say to you because of your faithfulness, and because of your heart towards him, you're getting ready to see unexpected increase and favor. God is releasing wagons, and I believe there's wagon loads of work that's getting ready to come to the Christian businessman and woman. 
and you're not going to know what to do. But I'm going to tell you something. It's going to come in such a quick manner that God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you knowledge. And you are going to be able to finance this move of God that God's getting ready to bring to the Whitewater Valley. And it's going to touch the nations of the world. Don't be afraid and don't look at the things around you and say, well, that's beyond my capacity. If God's bringing it to you, he's going to give you the wisdom to get through it. And you, don't you hang on to this lie that it's dead, it's over. No, God's getting ready to bring something supernaturally. And I know some of the people I'm talking to today, and I'm not released to to come to you personally. I might before the week's over, just hang on. But God's getting ready to do something. Get rid of the lie. It's not over. It's getting ready to do something supernaturally. I wish my young people was in here this morning, but that's all right. There's some dreams in some of them. There's some dreams in this room right now. God's given you. You've not yet seen it. But you young adults in here especially, you hear me. The enemy's telling you you can't dream. I'm here to tell you that the dreams that God has put in your life, you're getting ready to begin to see them come to fruition. But you got to let go of the lie. you got to quit looking at yourself and quit looking at all of your inabilities. And know this, if you'll put God first, God's getting ready to give you divine favor. Get rid of the lie. Why is it so important to get rid of the lie? It's because when I quit hanging on all of that stuff, guess what? I have nothing else to hang on to. The only thing I can do then is I have free hands to reach up to my Father. And say, God, I need you. Here's what I want to tell you this morning as they come to the music. For those who will choose to let go of the lie, you're getting ready to experience the provision of your Father. Israel. Interesting. Jacob wrestles with God. Jacob experiences the name change. From this day forward, I'm going to call you Israel. But then we get to the place where the birthright is supposedly stolen. Joseph is dead, supposedly. Then when we began to talk about Israel, his name goes back to Jacob. He wasn't walking out who God said he was because he was holding on to the lie. But scripture records that when they came and said, Joseph is yet alive and the spirit inside of him fainted, because he didn't believe, but then he saw the king's wagons. Says the spirit revived in him. And you read the next verse, he's not referred to as Jacob again. He's referred to as Israel. He once again began to be identified as who God said he was. The church in recent years has been identifying as what the enemy said they was instead of who God said they was. But I want to tell somebody this morning, you got to let go of the lie. Who told you you wasn't good enough? Who told you you couldn't? Who told you you didn't deserve it? wasn't God it was the enemy to keep you bound keep you distracted to keep you from fulfilling your God given potential and destiny but when he saw the king's wagons he says it is enough I will go and see him before I die There is, I I pray that you hear my heart this morning. In the spiritual realm today.
there is the repositioning and the realigning. And my prayer today is this, that you would have an experience like the servant that walked with the prophet when he walked out in the morning and he saw the enemy all around him. He said, oh, what are we going to do? There's more that's against us than for us. They have encamped around about us. We're, we're on the verge of doom and gloom. The prophet simply said, Lord, let the scales fall from his eyes that he may see. And the Lord gave him a glimpse. And he saw chariots and horses of fire. He was encamped around and there was more that was for them than against them. Can I tell you right now, there's more that's for us than against us. And we're about to experience the arrival of our help like we have never known. As we stand all over this house this morning, I don't know what you walked in here with today. I don't know what lie the enemy may have told you. I don't know, maybe you've held on to something for 22 years like Jacob did, thinking it's all over. But in the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. A group of people dream. A group of people have visions. But for those that are calling the name of the Lord, they will be endued with power from on high. They will experience my glory, my provision. Here's what I believe is getting ready to take place. Life goes in a circular motion. The word of the Lord simply says this, that which has been will be and that which will be has been. In 1801, a little better than 216 years ago, Pastor Barton Stone near Lexington, Kentucky, experienced people. He was a Presbyterian pastor. They wasn't used to the moving of the Holy Spirit. They wasn't used to much excitement. And they sure wasn't used to people just falling out and laying motionless for hours. Only to come to occasionally just to groan in the Spirit and go right back out. This was before air travel, fine interstates, before your comfortable Cadillac. We're talking about in the days of buckboard wagons and no roads. No internet, no cell phone. So he decided to call a meeting And as he scheduled this meeting, it ended up becoming known now as the Cane Ridge Revival. But he called a meeting. Get this, 20,000 people showed up in 1801. Where do you find 20,000 people near Lexington, Kentucky? I was reminded of this story the very first time I took Debbie to Guatemala with me. It was during a time of festivities and we was invited to go and to participate and walk in a parade. Well, we began to walk in this parade with the school that we have helped establish there. And I was surrounded by all of these beautiful little children. Men Debbie's walking. She fits right in. She's about the size of them. I'm just this towering giant that's walking down the road. And we're up in this village and we're doing a parade for all of the kids. And all of a sudden, 
she taps me on the shoulder and she says, what's that? I said, what's what? What's that? And I looked. And Ken, you can appreciate this. You've been there. But coming out of those little village settings and on those little dirt roads, there began to be swarms of people. They began to hear the music. They began to hear the movement. And all of a sudden, I looked, and here come a whole group of people. And then I looked over here coming out of this, and here come another group of people. And I looked over here, a group of people, and they was like, we're going to be all right. I said, we're going to be all right. They wasn't coming for us. But they was coming for what we had in our possession. We had candy and all kinds of things. And we were throwing them on the ground and the music was going. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted theirs. And the adults was just as excited as the kids. And I thought, it must have been 1801. After people had laid for hours and groaned in the spirit. And then they got up and said... We're going to give people an opportunity to experience what we have. All of a sudden, there began to be a drawing because of the noise that began to vibrate out of that place. And all of a sudden, it came. It came. 20,000 people, hear me. They showed up, and after two days, August the 9th, 1801 on a Monday after two days of meeting the people ate all of the food wasn't nothing to eat they had done they had, they had taken everything there was no other food there but God was moving in such a way people was not even focused on food and they stayed another four days in the presence of God just basking because they had experienced the arrival of the wagons and they said this is enough our Joseph is yet alive I stand here today and I tell you as sure as I'm looking at you that the Lord says I've released my wagons and there's a sound that's about to vibrate from my people and it's going to begin to awaken those in the hillsides and there's getting ready to be an arrival of those that are hungry and hurting. But you are getting ready to deliver to them what they have need of. So I stand here and tell you, with all of the faith, that your children are not going to die lost. That your nation is not going to go down in flames. But I stand here and decree and declare to you, that if you'll look up and let go of the lie, the enemy began to trust in your God. You're about to see the salvation of the Lord. And there's about to be an absolutely outpouring of the Holy Ghost uh, to sweep this Whitewater Valley and the nations of the world. Uh, but you've got to let go of the lie. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you, and continue to follow us. And we love you and God bless you.